0: welcome to the Pricing Queen podcast. I'm your host, Sally Farrant. I'm here to help you with all things pricing and business numbers, and I help small businesses like yours to grow your business and put your prices up and have the business of your dreams. If you want to follow me on social media, the best place to find me is on Instagram, at the Pricing Queen. And now, on with the show. On today's show, I've got Natalie Liu. Natalie is a recovering people pleaser and we talk a lot about how to price yourself. I also think that Natalie totally thinks about things in a very different way to the way I do and has really managed to get boundaries sorted out and her pricing in her business is a fascinating interview and I hope you enjoy it. Hello and welcome to the show. On today's show, I've got Natalie Liu. Introduce yourself, Natalie, and tell us about yourself hello thanks for having me sally i
1: am natalie i run a website called baggagereclaim.com which i started back in 2005 really as an antidote to all of the the bs actually am i allowed to say bs yeah you can
0: say bs that's fine <laughs>
1: So I, I started it really as an antidote to a lot of the BS that was out there back then that was aimed at women in terms of giving them advice, whether it was about their personal life, you know, their, their romantic relationships, their personal development, you know, relationships to family work. And so I've been running that blog since then. And I've created e-courses. I've published four books. I've got my next book, The Joy of Saying No, which comes out with um, Harper Collins in January of 2023. And really, my work centers around helping people really who identify with being a people pleaser, perfectionist, overthinker, to, to break the the habits around that by really taking a closer look at the emotional baggage that causes those habits because when when you do identify with some of those those habits like the people pleasing you settle for less in your relationships you settle for less in your work it affects your creativity it affects your sense of self and so looking at what's going on behind the scenes you know I I sometimes say to people I'm like the Marie Kondo of emotional baggage. So, rather than get you to clean the crap out of your house, it's like, no, let's get rid of the junk out of your head. And so yeah, that's what I help people do.
0: And 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 people pleasing. I mean, I come a lot of, across a lot of people who do who are people pleasers who struggle with their pricing, particularly, but also in business mm-hmm. in general about being more not being more bullshit, because I think that doesn't have the right connotations, but kind of being a bit more go-getting about. This is what I need it to be, and this is yeah. what it is.
1: Yeah, I think that um, we end up sort of intertwining our identity with our work, with our business. And so we then feel as if we are acting too big for our boots, that we are inconveniencing people, that we're going to alienate everybody like, oh my gosh, if if I ask for what I want, if I speak up, if I raise my voice a little, if I up my prices everybody and their mother is going to run off and ignore me and nobody's basically going to want to buy from me or hire me or whatever it is. And there is this sense of, I need to try to please everyone. There's this sort of sense of, oh, like you see this when, and I know that there can be a bit of a sometimes a strange conversation going on around niching but you know when you say to people to be to be specific to know you know know what you're about you know know who you want to reach they become afraid of being honest about what their niche is and what they do because they're afraid that oh but it's it's wrong to to not appeal to everybody but you can't appeal to everybody and your prices don't appeal to everybody either i mean that's the case for anything
0: well, and there are some people that say, actually, if your price is low, you're too cheap. And I don't want you because you don't have the expertise, the experience, the knowledge, whatever it is.
1: Yeah, this was a, a big shift happened for me where uh, I think it was 2014. I signed up for a well-known a business, uh, one of these online courses, but it's one of these business ones. And it was a lot of money. It's like, I think it was about $3,000, you know, which is the most that I ever put down for an online course. And to be fair, I never finished that course. But the one thing that I learned in week one that changed everything for me was something that they said about how the way that you price um, your services or your products really starts to influence who it is that's going to be your customer and how they perceive what you're selling. And I decided, based on what I listened to there, to up the price of my e courses. I tripled the price of them overnight. No announcement. Wow. <laughs> so at that time. I think that I've been selling my online courses for around about like, let's for argument's sake, something like 95 to uh, like, I don't know, 129 or something. My courses went up to like two in the range of sort of 295 to sort of 495 plus type of thing. And not only did that significantly Hike up the revenue in my business. It meant I was working with less people. Let's be clear: I wasn't working with the same number of people now paying more money. But I had—I was now feeling sort of what's up word that they use—is it commensurated? That might not be the right word, but fe- fe- feeling fairly remunerated for the work that I was doing. I noticed that the types of issue that you might come across with a, a, a customer were totally different like when i was priced lower people took them this. Mm. they because they felt like oh wow god this is an awful lot that i'm getting for 90 so then they had no sense of value and so it, because i was giving everything but the kitchen sink they then started to expect that they could demand everything but the kitchen sink and then when i changed my prices yes it meant that some people were not going to be able to get in. But you know what? Some people were never going to be able to get in anyway. And then on top of that, it just meant that people understood these were the boundaries of what was on offer. Because I was also more boundaried as well. And what I noticed over the years is not only did my prices go up, but I also stopped trying to give so much as well to go along with that. Almost as if, okay, well, I know I've charged you this price, but I feel a bit guilty. I have in charge of this and I don't want you to feel bad and I don't want you to feel like there's anything you can possibly query. So if I over deliver for that amount and throw everything at you, what possible reason could you come back? Could you have to come back and query anything with me?
0: But how did you, how, how did you think you had that? I mean, other than obviously the course said you should do this and you, you did it, but how did you let go of that guilt and that kind of you know, that obvious people pleasing thing, which is I really want to, you know, I want to over deliver and the, the kind of thing that you can always be
1: trying to do more all the time. I think something that a lot of us are guilty of is that we have this guilt and this anxiety about, you know, alienating people, overcharging, all of this type of thing. And yet, when it comes to how we interact with other business owners, we don't Necessarily have the same attitude with them. Like, we don't quibble about their prices with them. We pay. And so, what I started to notice actually was that one, when I, in my previous life, I worked in advertising uh, for a big tech publisher um, on what was at the time the biggest uh, computer magazine in the country. And when I first came into the company, one of the things that I was tasked with was getting clients who were on old rates to basically come up somewhat because they were underpaying for instance for a full page ad in you know this extremely popular magazine and they should have really been paying a good few hundred in some cases another grand more on top of that and i think that they thought that i was not going to be able to do it but i did and part of the reason for that was clearly i was able to convey the value of what they were doing because you weren't taking out a full page out every week just because you wanted to throw a couple of grand around for nothing. You were clearly getting something out of it, but it was understanding this. And if you want to be in this, and this is what you want to get out of it, this is what you need to be paying. And then I also remembered that when I first started in business, I had just fundamentally understood, well, hold on a second. There are things that you have available for free. And when I say free, it's not really free because the amount of Work that has gone into me creating, what, I don't know, sixteen hundred blog posts, that you know, and and posting all over social media and all over the place. I've been online writing for eighteen years, and so it's not really free, but there's there's plenty of stuff for people to consume without ever having to put their hand in their pocket with me. But if I want to be able to enjoy the work that I do, to be able to keep putting work out there and to not end up feeling resentful and anxious and overwhelmed, I needed to start valuing myself, my efforts, and attribute, not a price to me, but attribute a value to the work that I was doing. And what I noticed was as soon as I put my prices up, this underlying irritation and resentment faded away. I felt more relaxed in my business. I felt able to show up and not stressing about having so many people paying underpaying the amount and then feeling like I couldn't keep up and that I had to then go and find more people to, to things changed overnight with that. And the same thing happened uh, again One of the things I noticed actually as well is that when people come to me and they say, let's say I'm interested in something that they are selling an online course or coaching or whatever it is or something in the shop and they go, this is the price. I don't go special price for me. Can you knock off 10%, 20%, whatever it is. I don't turn around and go, oh, that's too expensive. The price is the price. And that was another thing that shifted for me because I'm like, well, hold on a second, Natalie. You never go around shaming other people about the prices of their stuff. You either pay it or you don't. Why can't you have that same attitude with your own customers and clients? And when I started to apply that, I stopped having the guilt immediately about it because i it's that being congruent with yourself because often we are critical, you know, judgmental of ourselves about this pricing for our stuff, but we don't necessarily do it with others. And it's like, well, hold on a second. Well, you either have a respect for prices and you have a respect for valuing something, you know, valuing a product or a service, or you don't. And that really was a big shift for me with that.
0: Yeah, I think it's and I think, but it's and and it, you just have there's a bit of just you've just gotta do it. And you've just got Absolutely. to kind of Get out there and see what ha- and see what happens, and so, and sometimes it doesn't work, and that's okay. But but actually, the, if you're working with less clients, that's often less stressful, and all of mm-hmm. that sort of thing. And by putting up your prices, you can be more picky about who you work with.
1: Yeah, I think that um, one, the whole pricing thing can sometimes be an element. Well, not sometimes. It it is an a, an element of trial and error. And getting a feel for the prices of your business. Now, if you look around and you try to base it on everyone and and their dog out there and you're looking at everybody's prices, you're always gonna be confused. Am I am I overcharging? Am I undercharging? Is this the right price? Understand your own business. Understand your own pricing. Also understand like what's the what's the the sort of the the sweet spot of your pricing? Like for instance, I've sold courses at a variety of prices. And I noticed that there were a couple of courses, and they weren't massive courses, but they were these sort of 30-day courses that I ran a few years ago. They were selling at the time for, I think it was 29 or 39. They went like gangbusters. like They were just without really with very little effort at all. Now, once I applied the same thing with them, Bearing in mind that these were not in the same vein of the bigger courses that I was doing, but once I applied that similar thing of oh well, let's see what happens when I take the price up, it was too it was too much in that instance. I hadn't quite found the sweet spot, so it's, it was taking that bit of data, and instead of going oh when I put the price up, so now I've got to take it back down, it's not you play around with that. I think as well that. Something else that was important for me with this whole sort of guilt thing, because I find it easy to be guilty, you know? I'm, a, I, I'm That's why I'm a recovering people pleaser. It's been bred into me through childhood to feel guilty between my parents breaking up, you know, when I was two and feeling and caught between pillar and post between the two of them, and then growing up in, in very Catholic Ireland at the time. And even though I'm not Catholic, I still had Catholic guilt. I find it easy to be guilty or to feel guilty. And I... Remember that um, I was started doing some one-to-one work a few years back, and I've been very reluctant to do one-to-one work because it can take, even though I would enjoy sort of the transformation that people could experience, I, it, it takes a lot out of you. And what I noticed, and again, this is the data. Everybody needs to pay attention to the data in their own business, was that when I started doing the one to one? I, in a way, I think I kind of not maybe put a finger in the air and just went, but I, I put this part, I had email consultations, I had these phone ones, and they were selling like gambusters. Now, in this instance, I took that as a sign that I had underpriced. One, because there were just so, I was getting so many requests, I couldn't keep up. And two, I was out of bandwidth and I felt exhausted and resentful. So what did I do? I uh, close to tripled the prices. Now, I still continue to get clients. Now, what happened was my, the way that my energy levels were was so much better. I managed my bandwidth better. I had less clients. And I was so much happier and fulfilled in my work because the reality is, is that something I had to set straight out the gate, I never wanted to be somebody who was doing, you know, coaching, mentoring work five days a week with people because I would be on the floor. I wouldn't like, I'd be exhausted by that. I also wouldn't have the bandwidth to do anything else. I had it in me to do around about a day a week. And that's probably, I don't know, four, five, six hours, depending on where my energy levels were at. So realistically, I had to reflect that. Also, here's another thing that I learned about pricing. What I do in an hour with a client, this is what clients say to me. I found out stuff for you in one hour that I hadn't found out in 10 years of going to see my therapist. So what I deliver in an hour, and I think, again, something that people need to remember is, Just because you find it easy, just because it maybe feels like a more natural talent to you, it feels like your genius, your sweet spot, it doesn't mean, oh, well, just because I can do that in five minutes, I should charge them five pounds for that. No, because somebody else can't do that. They're coming to you for your genius, for your expertise, for your
0: creativity, for what you deliver to them. Yeah. And I think it's really important to remember that people come to you. I mean, I think a lot of people, you know, a lot of, of well, it's a kind of personal brand people and it is, it's really hard to go, oh, it's about me, but actually that's also your secret source is people come to you because you're you and therefore you, and because you can do things quickly, more efficiently. And, and actually that means that you can charge more, not less
1: yeah you know I'm a big big believer in secret source you know understanding what are those components that make you new that really when you look at what's part of your voice your your talent your creativity, what's part of everything that you bring together if you look at sources they're all made up of base and flavor and I can't remember what the other component is, but they're all made of the same three things in essence, but the combinations of that can make, mean that your sauce tastes amazing or it's runny or it's too thick or what, but you can end up with all sorts of different types of sauces. That's us uh, as as humans. When we start looking at what are we bringing to the table? And I think a lot of the time we try to almost make ourselves Sort of blend into the crowd and to fit in around other people's perception of branding and pricing. But when you start to understand, what am I bringing into these conversations when, for instance, if you're working in personal branding and you're working with clients, well, what am I bringing into this? Because you've probably got, so, okay, you've got some processes in there, but it's actually what, you've got some master talents in there. Maybe you're really good. Like I know that I'm very good at reverse engineering stuff. Like I can take a look at something, pull that apart and be like, it's this, this, and this. I know that I can, somebody can tell me something, describe a situation and within about 30 seconds to a minute, I can predict what's happened next. I have a good sense of what's happened before. I have a pretty good idea of the various different patterns that have contributed to that. That
0: that's,
1: that's worth something. Yeah. yeah I know. I I know my combination of, of the, the humor, like the sort of the mix of the Irish Jamaican English humor, and the way that I sort of t- t- tell stories, the way that I'm able to break things down, these things have a value to them. But for us to attribute a value to them, we also have to value them. This is the big thing in pricing. It's all very well to turn around and go, oh, I want to price my stuff and I'm worried about this. But do you value what you're doing? Because yeah. if we undervalue what we're doing, we undercharge. Yeah. And admittedly, okay, there's some people over there who, out there who will overvalue what they do in the sense of that they don't really have an honest sense of what they're doing. They're just maybe all about the money or they have an overinflated sense of their own importance and they will overcharge. But the point is, is that how you feel about the value of your stuff dictates how you price.
0: Yeah, definitely. And I think it's, it's kind of just getting out there. It's testing, it's trying prices. And also if you go from 100 to 500 and people don't buy you don't go back to 150 you go back to 450 or 400 so because it's really easy (laughs) or nobody bought like you said nobody bought it at uh, a really much more expensive price and you're like oh actually uh, you don't need to come all the way back you usually just need to come back a bit um and you can change prices all the time you do not have to have yeah yeah, it's nothing set in stone
1: yeah we're not you know, you know, like the uh, and I think you and I spoke about this before. You know, we're not the big old supermarkets or whatever big brands where you've got to report your pricing, and they can then check to see what your pricing was in a six-month period. Like, really, who's tracking you that hard? Like, they're not. But also, I think that it is easy to blame things on pricing, and sometimes it is the pricing, but. You'd be amazed. And I'm sure you've seen it as well, like where people don't feel confident that they're worried about, oh God, are people thinking that this is too." So then they don't promote. They don't sell whatever it is. So I said, well, hold on a second. If you weren't talking about the thing, whether it was 150 pounds or 500 pounds, you won't go make any money anyway. <laughs> so <laughs> it's like, it's not the price. <laughs> That's not the, it's the ease. It's the low hanging fruit. To go for and all of that. And I think a, a, a standout conversation for me was I met up with a friend who, you know, she was over from the US and she had a coaching program and she was supposed to be on holiday. She looked exhausted. So I said, like, what's going on with you? She's like, oh, I've got, all these, I've got these clients and I'm on calls in the morning, noon and night and I'm exhausted. And I just don't understand what I've done wrong. And I was like, okay, so she was pretty resentful at this point. So I said, well, how much is the course? And, and I think just the program was some, she charged something like $1,200, something around that. And I said, really for all of that, that you're doing. And I was like, when you originally thought about doing this, what was the, the number that you had in mind? And, and she it was close to three grand. I think, in fact, I think she said three grand. And I was like, Wait, what? So your gut instinct, the feeling that you had for what it is that you wanted to charge is three grand, but you're charging something like twelve hundred dollars, that's a massive gap. But that is where resentment, overwhelm, anxiety, frustration, the sense of just wanting to pack it all in, that's where it all resides. Because whatever price it is that you have avoided charging if that is significantly different from what you are actually charging, that is the root of all the ill feeling in your business because you can't have that big a gap. Like even if she charged two grand, it would have been better than being, cause you would have been like 66% of the way, but you're not going have practically what, 70, 70 or so percent from that's, a, that's scary to be wow. that far away from it. and. Unless the thing that I say to people is whatever it is that you're afraid to charge is what you need to charge or as close to it as possible. And if you are too far away from it, you're going to have problems in your business. Like Whether that's in terms of covering your costs, whether that's in terms of, of how you feel about your, your business, about your customer and your clients, your problems are going to come from that gap.
0: Yeah. And I think it's it's trusting your instinct a bit. There is, you can do all sorts of pricing modeling and you can do all of those things. And, you know, I talk about some of those things generally, but, but actually some of it is going, what am I totally comfortable with? What am I slightly uncomfortable with, but that Mm -hmm. I can actually get out there that I'm prepared to get out there and talk about and sell it because it becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy. You don't sell a thing because you don't feel confident in the price and the price then dictates everything about what you feel about that product.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And it's funny, I had another conversation with a friend last week who was like, Do you know what, I think I need to go looking for, I think it's time for me to jack in the business and go looking for a full-time job. So we have a conversation. I'm like, you don't need to look for a job. You need to sort your pricing out. <laughs> like You are significantly undercharging. Like she basically go in to meet a potential client. And they'd be like, oh, well, we don't quite have the budget for that. And so then, what would happen is she go, okay, well, I'll work with this budget. But let's say their budget was two grand, and she would normally be looking to like charge five grand. So she would work within their budget, but deliver like the same number of, for instance, client hours that she would give to somebody who was on the. Fu- and I said, this is messy. You do not need to go and get a full time job. You don't need to go and close down your business. You need to sort out your freaking pricing. I said, she's like, oh, I I didn't want people to feel like I was doing a bad job and that I was like sort of slacking off because, you know, they were only had the two grand. And I said, listen, what is the point in somebody saying, oh, look, this is the budget that I have. And then you basically working with them, like they're paying you 20 grand, feeling exhausted and crap. They're going, oh, wow, I'm getting a 20 grand job for two grand. And... Then they're texting you morning, noon and night because they have no boundaries and they have no real sense of the value. I said, start going to your clients and saying, look, that's fine if you have clients who don't fit within that budget, but tell them what is available to them with that budget and tell them, hold on, if you want this and this, if you want this level of availability, that's going to cost da-da. Make them understand the difference between spending whatever it is versus what you originally came in with. Otherwise, you're not going to have a business. Like she's run into the ground. And the same thing that you said clients take advantage of that because they don't understand the value of what she's doing. And then she sees all these other people in the same field as her out there who are bringing in this big money. And she's like, I just don't understand what's going on. Yeah, they charge more than you. And they know which clients to walk away from.
0: Well, it is. It's that kind of, if they, you know, the two to five grand thing. It's like, well, I can do it for two grand, but this is the things I will have to take out because that's not going to happen at the two grand level. This is going to, you know, if you want the five grand, this is my whole package and you take some things out. You might not take out all of the things that would take it down to two grand, but you need to make, it needs to be very clear to the client that they are getting significantly less of your time and energy than they would if they paid five grand. Because if they basically get... Five grand for two grand, you've done yourself out of out of work. And actually, they know next time they come and say, Oh, well, actually, we've only got two grand, you'll still do the five grand's worth of work. So it's really being strict with your boundaries and stuff as well. You know, boundaries are so important about you know what you allow what you allow clients to do. It's not about the client, the client will just keep asking you and messaging you at weekends and getting you to do all these things, and you have to say, I'm sorry, but that's not what we agreed in the contract. And you need to be very clear up front. What is in and what is out of what you're doing?
1: Absolutely. And, you know, this is I, funny because I said to her as well, have an onboarding process that makes clear from the outset, when they come on board, it's like, great. Lovely that we're working together. Here's this handy video, and these couple of documents that I put together before we get stuck in, please make sure that you watch this. It takes less than five minutes that you go through. This, this quick rundown of, of how we will work together. Because when they say that they've watched it and they've read it, and then however long later that it is, they're doing something that doesn't fit within what you've agreed. You can always refer back to that. And something else that I, you know, I can't remember if I've mentioned this to you before, but way back in the day when I was at uni, I worked as a credit control manager for a small publishing firm. And when I came in to that role, um, I'd actually gone in to work in sales, hated it, and then so they were like, "Look, we've we've got a whole backlog of unpaid invoices." Now, you might some people listening to this might wonder well, why should you bringing up invoices? Because our ability to not only charge what we're supposed to be charging, but to actually get paid is pivotal to our business. And another piece in this whole pricing thing is that people charge whatever it is and then feel afraid to, ch- to chase for the invoice. So I was working for this place. And at the time, I think that 40% of their invoices were unpaid. And you're, some of this was small companies, but a lot of it was the big Big names. It is often the they t- tie you up in this tangle of oh, well, you need to sign this supplier form. And then they don't tell you when you've you've filled out the supplier form that you then need to then go and ask somebody else for the purchase order number. And then even though you've told them that the terms are, for instance, 30 days, they'll go, well, actually, when you sign the supplier form, it means that you um, agreed to 30 days end of month or 60 days and ridiculous stuff that was going on. That experience of working for them, I basically got all uh, all of their invoices paid. But there was a couple they just like weren't happening. So it got down to a one percent of invoices that were unpaid in there. But that experience stuck with me, and I do think that it had a big role in. My attitude about charging, for instance, around invoicing people and making sure that whoever I was working with understood, listen, don't mess me about with this whole like paying me thing, because I'm not the type of person who you don't pay me and I'm just going to continue working for you. I'll just stop. But and I've then seen people on Twitch, I've given a lot of advice to people because of my credit control days. And I've said to people, make sure when you are pricing your work and you are agreeing the scheme of work or whatever it is with a client, that you make clear how you work and what the terms are of getting paid. So that at that point, if they turn around and go, well, actually our terms are 30 days, end of month, 60 days, end of month, you get to address that at the start of the work Not months down the road when you are spending far too much of your bandwidth chasing down this money. And I've then spoken to people who were like, Oh, I've been waiting, I've been chasing, 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 you know, money from this client, and I still haven't got paid yet. And now they've come to me with more work. Well, first of all, that's jacked up. Because not only are you not paid, but they're actually coming to you with more work. So now you're really on the hoof here where you're not paid and you're doing more work. And they're going, Oh, well, if I feel like if I don't take on more work from them, then I'm not going to get paid. And I was like, But you're not getting paid anyway. Yeah. So why, why would you accrue more debt with the same client when they clearly haven't paid you that? And so at, at some point, look, people have their cash flow moments, but when they don't, communicate with you at all about this and they don't make a plan for the money and they still keep coming to you with more and more work all you're doing is essentially working for free right. and you end up feeling undervalued and you are far better off having clients who absolutely respect the boundaries like I never mess people around on invoicing because I also recognize what it is like when when I have been messed around about that I do not want to spend my time chasing da- down invoices that devalues your, you know, your efforts, we're, we're one people businesses, or we've maybe got a handful of people working with us. Is this really what we want to do? So we have to stop being afraid of chasing the money of saying, hold on a second. If I'm, if we don't get this paid, I can't take on more work with you.
0: Yeah, exactly. Because I think, yeah, it is tempting to think, Oh, I can't, you know, I I, I won't get any more work. It's like, but you, but you, until you actually paid for it, it's not real money. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It, it's
1: fantasy money. And, and, this fear of, oh, I'm going to upset them. So, hold on a second. You're worried about upsetting somebody about charging them that or chasing the invoice for that, but you are not at all concerned about the fact that you actually haven't been paid. Shouldn't you be upset (laughs) about that? I mean, (laughs) that's pretty messed up. And then you're saying you are worried about your mortgage, you're worried about your bills, you're going to have to let go of stuff, and you're still holding out for this client. And yet, actually, if you stopped taking more work from them, you would quickly see where the land lies with this client about whether or not they are actually going to pay the invoice Hmm. because companies also do decide who they can get away with not paying on time. They
0: really can. Yes, they really do. I've worked in finance departments and that is exactly, you know, if there's cash flow problems in the business or you're trying to hang on to cash for any reason, ye who shouts loudest, mostly yeah,
1: and, and so there has
0: to be less of
1: this, oh, well, I'll just call up and, and, and ask nicely. Oh, hello, I just want to check and see how my invoice is getting on. Nobody's asking you to call them up and cuss them out or anything like that, but it's like, hold on a second, I'm going to call every week until we get this. And they don't want you calling every week, so they pay you. Yeah, And a company really. who has no intentions of paying you but will keep taking the work from you if you decide, do you know what? Enough's enough. I've waited long enough. All that's going to do is stop you from taking on more work that they were never going to pay you for anyway.
0: Yeah. Yeah, because you think, you're, oh, I've got the work, but actually you're never getting paid for it. Yeah, I, I, I'm,
1: a, I'm a big fan of, of, especially when you're taking on these big jobs. Listen, if a company is balking at paying you a deposit for, for, for work,
0: I, I'd feel a bit sketchy. Well, and also by getting a little this. bit, even some of it up front, you start to understand the payment processes and you start to understand what exactly. the problems could be. So you know yeah. that you need to bill before the end of the month in order to make sure you catch the end of the month payment run and, and all yeah. of those sorts of things. Yeah, This has absolutely. been brilliant. Thank you so much for coming on. It's been great to chat. Oh, thank where you so people, for having me on, Sally. Where can people find you?
1: So I'm at baggagereclaim.com or .co.uk. I have also got a podcast, the Baggage Reclaim Sessions, which is on all podcast players. And social media wise, the best place to get a hold of me is on Instagram, which is at NatLue. That's N-A-T-L-U-E.
0: And we'll put all of that in the show notes. Thank you so much for coming on. Oh, thank you, Sally, for having me. The chat with Natalie was really fascinating. And I think that whole thing about secret source is really important. You need to work out what your secret source is. So for me, that might that is about kind of being able to see numbers and look at numbers and be able to interpret them really clearly. And Natalie talked about what what hers is and but really think about your secret sauce and what it is that you add to your business what is it that you sprinkle on everything that makes you different from other people in your industry because I think that's where you can kind of really stand out and get your personality across don't be too bland in your business that's all for now have a great week and I'll see you next week I hope you enjoyed this week's show if you did, please do like, subscribe and review wherever you get your podcasts. And do share this episode on social media. The best place to find me is on Instagram at pricingqueen. Pricing Queen. And I hope you enjoyed the episode and I will see you next week. Take care.